Hello everyone. My name is uh, Bo Stjerne Thompson. I am the chair of learning through play in the Lego Foundation. And uh, I'm excited to speak about the role of physical environments to be more playful and creative for all children to benefit, learn and develop. Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms. And also let's connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, Afri. Afri is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry, and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. I have the pleasure to welcome you both to Urban Cigar Podcast. Hey, and uh, welcome. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. You had your uh, summer vacation? I had a uh, fantastic summer vacation, partly in the US where I live, uh, around uh, traveling around the US in a camper van with my children and family, and then visiting a family in Denmark also. So uh, I'm absolutely refreshed and ready. Amazing. So where, where uh, do you live now? In which, which state? So I, I've lived a few different parts of the world, but uh, we moved to uh, Boston uh, just last summer, um, where I'm uh, working to start our US activities, and then I'm doing research with some of the academic institutions over here. Amazing. So Abu, you are our storyteller. How would you like to introduce yourself to our uh, listeners? Well, um, as, as one might uh, hear from my accent, uh, I am from, uh, from Denmark. Uh, I grew up in Denmark, but, but lived uh, various places around the world. Uh, my main responsibility over many years in the Lego Foundation has been uh, the research and being able to uh, disseminate and share this for decision makers uh, across education systems and partners and different places. Uh, but I have a past career as a designer uh, and as an architect working on performance spaces and urban design, education institutions, uh, and also into aspects of technology and robot design. Um, so one of the things that I was particularly, um, you know, interested in was when we designed our own house in Denmark. Uh, I brought a, a real tree from my childhood garden into the house, uh, so we can climb now and then and remind us about childhood and the and the benefits of play. Nice. So what uh, what are you passionate about? My main passion is really how we better use our environment, our materials whether physical and digital technologies in creative ways. So how we think about materials and technologies to develop our ways of thinking, to collaborate, to be playful and innovate. Uh, and my you know, past work many years ago was around the research on how people use spaces and how technologies and interactions influence identity and placemaking. And I just, I'm fascinated about how children and sometimes adults use uh, environments and materials in new ways as a ways of uh, create a sense of belonging as a ways of expressing themselves creatively and emotionally and how it kind of stimulate all of childhood 
that's amazing and very interesting. But how come that you like with your background that you start to work in, in Lego Foundation? So my like usually interest- like uh, people like you in the studio design, you know, like on the yeah, yeah. <laughs> sketching paper and so on. <laughs> I th- I, the entry point has been from the design perspective and, you know, hands on learning and materials, which has been part of my my background uh, and, and education. But then I came in when we uh, were starting something called the Lego Learning Institute. So there has been an ongoing ambition in the in the in the company to form strong relationships and uh, and create research underpinning uh, the whole uh, approach to play and uh, Lego materials. So I started in that entry point so a little more than a decade ago. Uh, and then my past work has been around various learning theories. So how do we uh, create more exciting uh, and effective learning environments by using the benefits of play? So like, uh, if you can uh, give us a highlight about uh, Lego Foundation before we start about like the talk about the importance of play and so on. So just like a highlight about the foundation. Absolutely. Uh, we are a Danish corporate foundation owning 25% of the otherwise family-owned Lego company. And our history actually goes back to the 1980s where we were founded. But most recently over the past uh, uh, 10 years, we have expanded from being more like a traditional small grant giving foundation with a handful of employees to become one of the world's largest philanthropies focused on reimagining education through play. So we now have a little more than 120 employees from very diverse backgrounds and work in more than, than 60 countries. And our aim is to transform education. Uh, we hope that every child will have the opportunity to learn through play, to really enjoy the learning environment, being deeply engaged, whether it's inside school, out of school, at home, because we know that it enables them to develop a wide range of skills that are so important to be adaptive and to be resilient in modern life um, and also be keeping curious and be creative and, and keep learning. Yeah. How do schools reacting when you tell them we want to change the education or their learning and make it more playful? They are absolutely uh, much more interested now than ever because what seems to be very clear is that play is a mode of engagement. You know, doing COVID and, you know, doing the new uses of technologies, everyone are looking for ways to engage and sustain attention. And play is a huge motivator and enabler of that, whether it's through physical materials or real life products and environments. So the there's such an openness to be able to tune in on children's emotions, their interests and their engagement. So the main kind of questions we get is how do we really find ways to change the systems that is sometimes pretty rigid and standardized and quite competitive to be much more creative and flexible in addressing individual needs and be more an inclusive form of education. And do you usually like uh, work on such kind of project or you have other kind of projects within the foundation? So we are investing in uh, systems change, which means we work and operate a across the different uh, audiences to tackle some of the most difficult problems in education chains. But we do that obviously through grants to organizations who uh, are working on the benefit of children for all ages, but we also uh, support catalyzing collaborations uh, between governments, private sector and communities. And then we have an extensive collaboration with research institutions all over the world and a catalog of examples. So to be more specific, I think, 
Some of the examples we do is uh, support social innovations for neurodivergent children. Uh, we also support organizations to help revitalize our public spaces to engage the community in more joyful, playful, stimulating environments. And then we work from a range of teacher education, professional development to new types of uh, assessments and new types of, uh, of technologies that are more creative. Yeah. And you're working a lot with the research. So why play is so important for children? Like from research perspective, what the science telling us? So the, 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 the science is pretty, pretty clear that evolution has equipped humans with its such an extraordinary ability to learn through exploration, through experimentation, and through play. So when young children are born, they're extremely adaptive, they're curious, um, and that's because that's how their brains develop, and that's how their thinking develops. It, it develops through their interactions with the physical materials, with the environment, and with other people. So that's what play is. It's a mode of engagement, of curiosity, where children test and try out strategies. And through that kind of mechanism, that's really how they learn language, to articulate symbols, to uh, understand, quantify, sort uh, mathematical principles. They learn to be emotionally resilient and to collaborate with others. So the, the science is, you know, has equipped humans to learn naturally through play. And what we're trying to do now is to keep that kind of mode of engagement when we continue into schools and into into being adults who keep need to be creative and collaborative and problem solvers. And how is it now like? When 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 you say play, I imagine like a physical movement. How is it now going with like the digital world? Because a lot of children like more interest in the digital. So we have done uh, huge studies uh, with our partners, and there are changes to how children play uh, and how they learn. But it's really about how technologies are interweaved and becoming more a fluid part of our everyday life. So. Uh, there's not really so much uh, kind of digital physical discussion any longer. Uh, it's more about how you use uh, your phone to take pictures and document what you do. You have creative activities online, uh, which you share with your real friends. Um, so it becomes much more kind of integrated at a, as a, a natural way of learning and being. So what we are focused on is that there are kind of a few key characteristics about how we play and how we learn, which overlaps quite well, is no matter if it's physical or digital, you know, children need choices. They need to be actively engaged in, in, in making choices. They need to be able to create and make things, to be able to have agency to put their own kind of content ideas into the world. And they need to be able to support and having strong social authentic interactions where they get feedback and they collaborate. So it's inherently about factors where you, you, their curiosity is supported, where it's meaningful and relevant to them. And that's really no matter whether it's digital or physical, um, but it's all a balance. You know, it's a balance of, you know, not being too sedentary, being active physically, not too individual and social. Um, so there's a huge opportunity now to, to use technologies in new ways. Yeah, so it's about uh, combination and also uh, balance. Yeah, absolutely. And what's in it for, let's say, for us adults when we talk about child-friendly cities, places, platforms? What's in it for us adults? Let's talk about cities. I think the something like the, the Real Play City Challenge is extremely important for the foundation because the starting point for all uh, human development is the physical environment and our 
bodily experiences is about sensing the world, moving around, touching, socializing. And cities are kind of at the core of our sense of belonging, the shaping of our identity. And it's particularly important in a world that's very fragmented, where we live and get input from very different uh, uh, digital uh, input around the world. And what we see is that there are a lot of uh, preconditions in many parts of the world that is not in place, uh, particularly if you live in a dense urban neighborhood, in polluted areas or unsafe places, you don't have access to places where children can learn and develop and grow. Um, so it's literally, you know, uh, 100 million children all over the world who are not getting that opportunity to play outdoor or to have access to, to optimistic uh, stimulating uh, spaces. So this is really a call out to inspire um, placemakers and governments and organizations and urban professionals who can create that uh, opportunity for play. It is also opportunity for adults. Um, the, 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 the thing we have noticed, if you have children yourself, it's uh, first and foremost, an absolutely wonderful way to learn more about your children uh, because you learn so much more about them when you play, when you are family, however it looks like. And it's a way to de-stress uh, and focus on the moment uh, through being active, engaged and playing. But also if one don't have children oneself, we see that there's such a greater sense of joy and urban life when you're out experiencing play spaces and seeing how children use it. It's actually the studies that indicate if you observe children playing and testing different strategies and trying things out, you yourself become more flexible in your own ways of thinking. You literally adopt and learn from what children do. But then I'd say generally doing the times you have right now with such a massive amount of technologies uh, and different spaces we move in and out of, uh, places and cities become a new center for community life, similar to historically when they have become the place for social identity and enabling multiple groups to meet. It is so important that we find these opportunities where, where people and communities can meet other people, can, can observe and engage with, so we don't only go into our traditional digital spaces that is formed by, by, by more uh, traditional patterns and algorithms. Yeah. And when you when we say like uh, child friendly city, does it mean that we're gonna turn the city to a playground, or or how do you imagine it? How 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 do you define it a child friendly a child friendly city? That's a very good question. Uh, the most important for us is obviously that there's a still a growing attention to the access to open environments, to parks and playgrounds, uh, which we need uh, to have available uh, within walking distance uh, in, in any part of the city. But what seems to be the new direction is that it's not only about playground provision, but it's about integrating an approach where you can get uh, support and stimulation and play uh, across different streets and spaces and with community support across the infrastructure. So for instance, when you are moving across uh, uh, the public transportation, there are activities at the bus stops, uh, there are opportunities to select different types of, of stories. Uh, when you go into a shop, a grocery shop, there's ways to engage and stimulate ideas about where groceries come from and uh, how authentic they are and what they consist of. Uh, but also being able to break down boundaries between the public and private spaces uh, to be able to involve children in a greater degree in that kind of shaping of how the, the space looks like. So the growing movement right now is to think about that form of playfulness, not only in the traditional spaces, but when we move and where we are throughout the city. Mm. 
And like, what is what's the role of uh, the foundation within the the real play city challenge? So we are uh, we are first and foremost uh, 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 an incubator in terms of uh, the grants and ideas and the many partners that we uh, we see all over the world. So we want to kind of spark a movement around seeing the opportunities. We also share, uh, obviously, our experience and knowledge uh, in terms of the ongoing support and ideas they develop. Uh, and then uh, we are also part of a, a very diverse uh, jury that will uh, look at, uh, assess, and support the collaborations going forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, many uh, urban practitioners listening to you now, if from your opinion, what should urban practitioners stop doing when uh, we plan and design cities? The- I think that the the main thing to stop doing is to focus only on the playgrounds and the park, but to think much more diverse and more inclusive about where play can be part of the city scope. Uh, We see that there's an opportunity to be much more stimulating and optimistic environments, whether it's in the supermarkets, the public infrastructure, in the hospitals and clinics. and then be able to kind of uh, open the mindset that new types of partners, uh, whether it's private partners or directly the capacity in city administrators, needs to be part of that dialogue. Um, one thing we have seen also is from the tradition of planning, sometimes we plan too far ahead. Like we design or over-design our spaces without keeping in mind that the community you know, need to take ownership, need to be part of the dialogue and children in particular, you know, have particular perspective to bring in. So this idea about designing and planning and finalizing, we hope that we're able to have a more fluid process of working with the community and then keeping spaces more flexible and open for multiple events and ideas. Interesting. So it's more about like uh, the, the slowing down the tempo and co-create instead of just create or plan the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Co-creating and listening and uh, inviting more diverse groups. Um, that's kind of how, how cities shape kind of their belonging identity also. Mm. Do you have like an advice for us how to integrate children? Absolutely. One of the things we've done for this particular challenge and work with uh, our partners is to develop a playful cities toolkit. So as part of the challenge here, there's availability of that kind of toolkit which describes how do one promote first and foremost better access to facilities uh, for children, but also what are the kind of considerations when you begin to engage children uh, and young people in that dialogue. And that's first and foremost by listening to their perspectives and talking about the types of chains and outcomes you hope to achieve. So there are methodologies for children to share ideas, whether they write, they paint, they build it in Lego bricks. But then having particular processes where you go through what's realistic or not to do and literally make sure that children get a feedback on where the ideas go. So there are particular methodologies of engaging uh, children. Um, but then also there's uh, exams in the toolkit how to, to build stronger communities through that kind of social interactions and how one can build a much stronger urban resilience by being able to have an adaptivity in the spaces, uh, depending on the changes that happen in the in the community, in the climate, and and so forth. Mm. And Bu, as a, like you're a part of the Real Play City Challenge, what do you and the foundation expect to see? We absolutely want to see 
more inspiring examples that has been implemented in local communities. Uh, inspiration is so important right now because we need that kind of positive, joyful, optimistic perspective with other ways of using space where we are now much more you know, digital dependent. But we also need to describe then that it actually did happen uh, together with the community. It can be realized with local local resources and it can be sustainable. So these are the combinations that we, we hope to see. So it requires you know, positive example for a movement and then uh, people are interested, how, how can I make it work for myself? Yeah, it's interesting. And I hope uh, many of our listeners uh, are going to check the open call and also submit a project. So I'm also really happy that uh, there is this initiative. It's very important for, for our cities and, of course, for our children as well. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's such a benefit to you know the dialogue we have across adults and children to be able to make spaces that have a more diverse use and with more with a broader range of, uh, of groups in, in the city. And uh, before we move to the last section, so I have some few questions for you as well. Yeah. Like, is your office full of Lego, like in the foundation? It's, uh, it's an office that is uh, very open, optimistic, colorful, and very flexible in our workspace. Uh, and what we really uh, focus on is many opportunities to work, whether at a disc, in a couch, in open spaces, in small closed spaces, large groups, meeting rooms. So diversity is important. And it means we have Lego materials, obviously, uh, because it helps people articulate their thinking. It helps in their problem solving and sharing ideas. But it's combined with a broad range of any other materials. We also have like paper and uh, you know play-doh and 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 workshop materials available for anyone uh, to to collaborate it's also quite unique right now because we just opened a new lego campus uh, particular in denmark where people can bring the whole family to the campus environment and in that environment it's almost like a little community there's gym we can play different sports, there's games, reading spaces, there's craft spaces, woodworks and pottery, there's a music studio, you can try a 3D printer. So really finding ways to make the workplace uh, an invitation uh, for the family to also be there uh, to spend time uh, after work um, uh, and try to find like more meaningful ways of understanding work. Yeah, this is amazing. So what do you think is like the key of success for Lego to become from just like a playing material to like this huge big project? The, the, the thing that is unique, one of the things that is unique about uh, the Lego materials is uh, it's not only about fun uh, and joy, but it's really about things that are challenging. So we have this balance between play and learning where uh, families engage and children engage with it because they try different things. It's something that they struggle to solve a problem. They try to build this amazing model to take it apart, re apart rebuild it, and so forth. So, so the whole process is not only about the Lego brick, but it's an idea that we have worked on over decades that is about combining and recombining. And in that process, you have a greater degree of attention your problem solve, and you can also collaborate with others. So, so I think that's what many find uh, inspiring. It is kind of this balance between playing and problem solving and learning. It's also a system that works so elegantly across different age groups. So it's a system where 
your young children can build with it, older children, robotics and adults, and you have the same material. So you can actually combine and recombine the things you build. So it's inherently a social infrastructure for many generations to keep expressing the ideas and solve problems. What is your favorite uh, Lego theme? I, I, I have a few, but uh, I, I must say I, I'm, I'm really fascinated, <laughs> obviously, by Lego architecture because not only based on my education and my childhood, but I love like building spaces and environments. But one of the new things I also is uh, extremely fascinated about is the Lego ideas. And Lego ideas is a particular theme where the products are inspired by the Lego community and the fans. So you can build these amazing ideas like a typewriter or a theme from a television uh, <laughs> uh, studio or a scooter. But these are amazing products that the company would never have been able to imagine themselves. Yeah. And, and what is your like personal reaction when we... Like recently in the last years, we see like um, some buildings and so on. We call we start to call them. It's like uh, Lego buildings, which means that uh, like you, they place just just few cubes on each other or next to each other, and then become some kind of building. So when you hear like people say, "Oh, this kind of Lego building," what do you? So you're do you thinking about the physical like? architecture? Yeah, yeah, like like especially let's say in Copenhagen, you have many of the modern uh, new uh, buildings. What we, I think, what one of the things we have learned is that there are so many in the in the professions of architecture and engineering who has been inspired by Lego in their childhood. It's uh, if you look at a survey of the ones in the design, architecture, business, and combination of engineering and science, many of them seek the aspirations for that career with Lego materials uh, and that way of exploring and testing ideas. Uh, I think the the ways that modernism has evolved towards building uh, like large-scale standardized blocks, I don't think come from Lego, um, but but if they're able to flexibly think about how one can change the lighting, the interior, and so forth, I think it's a movement towards being able to be more adaptive with a simpler structure and more flexible interior that, that could be interest, interesting to explore more. And I think what we really seek to achieve now is how can we provide more safe, stimulating spaces to a much broader context of children all over the world. And there are so many places also where we work in refugee camps and other places where just having that kind of safe, stimulating space is so important. So I think there's a huge opportunity to innovate a system for architecture that can be broadly scaled and still be playful. Yeah. And as an architect, do you see that working with Lego or growing up with Lego has a kind of backfire that when we work actual on actual project that we're only going to think in a system of Legos, like only putting things on each other like a cubes. We are limited in our way of thinking. Or Oh no, um I don't I don't think that so that the 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 way that perception works is that you are looking for ways that are easy to take your abstract ideas into physical representations. So as a young child, you build sandcastles, right? And you begin to express, express with your hands in paints. Uh, as adults, you use technologies and you use much more vocabulary. Um, but Lego for many is just one way of expressing yourself. Like the whole physical environment is much more abstract. But what it does uniquely, it is uh, the systematicity and the logic and reasoning embedded in that. So it's not about the perception of how people think about, you know, blocks and boxes and, and standard colors. Uh, we don't see that, but we see that uh, people have that ability to test and try out 
different strategies, take it apart. So that logic and reasoning and systematicity is something that is heavily uh, supported by that kind of play material. Yeah, so it's more about like the, the process than the product. It's much more about the process of building and creating things uh, than necessarily the product in itself. Yes, and uh, now we're on the final section of this episode and it's about uh, you giving messages. So the first question, three questions. The first one is you give a message to the Lego Foundation team. What is your message? Well, thank you for, for, for that opportunity. Well, um, uh, the Lego Foundation, you are doing some absolutely incredible work no matter where you are um, and i think the most important doing right now is the work of daring to be a role model for play and an advocate for children even to the ones who are the most difficult to convince during these times and the next question is about uh, you giving us the listeners three takeaway messages yeah so three messages i think um Remember that the inclusion of play is always okay. It's a mode of interaction that recognizes the starting point each individual. And then to the listeners of urban practitioners, I think it's important not to overplan when one is designing, but designing to be open for opportunities to engage with multiple uh, materials and play spaces and multiple people. Um, and then that idea of inviting multiple groups and people into the process will help us create much more interesting dialogues and diversify uh, our environments. Awesome. And uh, the last question is going to be you asking it to us. So what is your question to us? I, I generally think that one of the most important questions one need to ask oneself every day is, have you tried anything different today? And that can be in the context of a conversation what had one had or explored a new place in the neighborhood or tried a different ingredients when you were preparing food but just one small thing that you have tried different what have you tried different today nice thank you so much bu i really appreciate your time and hopefully talk to you again in the coming episodes as well absolutely look forward to that thank you very much Well, thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. You learned something new and also got inspired by the guest. Don't forget to share the episode on your social media and recommend it to people you think they are really interested in this topic. Thank you so much again for giving your valuable time to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif. Keep up the good work. Keep loving cities.